I, I, I maybe I did play just a little bit too much. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> you won't hear us playing Judas Priest, but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank, and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review, airing Saturdays 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. and throughout the week with our replay 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. on Toledo's only alternative and your on-campus radio station, 88.3 WXUT. Oh, Judas Priest! <laughs> song frank oh this one i do not you don't know this one it's from drizzy oh it's from drake yes uh no i don't think i've heard this one with little dirk laugh now cry later good song right or good instrumental oh yeah once, once, again, once again when does bedford start up uh well we're gonna have conditioning not this coming week but the following week okay we got Frank Bastion here with David, the man of God, Harris. David, you got us your winners and losers for us. Yep. Uh, so uh, this this will be this will be interesting to see what David puts out for his winners and losers. Anyone else on there? Um, where did Greg Saylor go? Uh, I don't know. If, who knows? He may have something to go take to care of. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, that'll be good. I was just I was just seeing what was going on with that, but. We'll get into this right now. David, if you're ready. Go ahead, David. Winners and losers. Week six, I believe. Yes. Yep. Week six of the NFL season. We'll start with the winners this time. And the first winner, I mentioned him in the pick'em. I think he'll have another back-to-back performance day. DeAndre Swift and the Detroit Lions. Second, I mean, along with on Johnson, most recent 100-yard rushers. Kind of everyone was expecting him to be this featured lead back once they drafted him with a second-round pick, with a high second-round pick in this year's draft. Expectations are high, but again, a lot of people expected him to be that quote-unquote workhorse back. He showed a little bit of glimpse of what he could do. Albeit against the Jacksonville defense, but you can only go up against the 11 that's in front of you. Now, the question is will they actually let him see this workhorse back next week or the week after that? Because in this league, you need to have since on field time. You can't get, get back into this rotation of we're going to start the game with Adrian Peterson and carry on Johnson. And, oh, we'll just. Sprinkle Swift in here, third down situations, maybe kind of give a change of pace or a breather for, quote-unquote, two other frame backs in front of him. Like, if you want him to be the workhorse, then you got to feed him like a workhorse. Except I don't, I don't trust Matt Patricia to make that happen. I mean, neither do I, but like, that's unfortunate because this – this fan base in Detroit has been logging for kind of to find that feature running back pretty much since Barry Sanders. And it's like now you have this opportunity to be this guy. Now it's up to the coaches like, hey, can you be the feature running back? Can you feed him the ball like he deserves to have the ball? 
Second winner, the Miami Dolphins. Not so much for this game because they were, I mean, they were playing the Jets. I mean, come on. But finally, turning the corner, and there was a lot of conversation, a lot of controversy, a lot of uh, people feeling sentiments with Ryan Fitzpatrick kind of being hurt, heavy hurt by kind of giving the reins over to Tua. As the Miami franchise made the decision this week to say, all right, we got you in, kind of, kind of fine tune, now it's his chance. But Miami Dolphins are kind of a pretty good team, and a lot of people, I think, are looking at Miami as a laughing stock, particularly over the past kind of four or five seasons. But they have something brewing there. And I don't know if they're ever going to get to the level of the Patriots or more recently the Bills, but I think this is Miami right now is where the Bills were kind of four or five years ago, kind of on that up, upswing. And if they can remain consistent and just kind of fine-tuning their weaknesses and addressing those weaknesses and adding to their strengths, I think this team could kind of get back to them up being a viable competitor for the AFC Divisional Crown. Their third winner, Tampa Bay. A lot of people were, I don't want to say hesitant to choose kind of Tampa Bay over Green Bay, and even kind of going when they went down to nothing, and you know Aaron Rodgers was doing the uh, Keaton Peel touchdown celebration. A lot of people were like, well... Oh, the Hingle McCringleberry. <laughs> yep. Uh, except, he, except he didn't do the three pumps. <laughs> no, but he almost did it. He didn't want to probably get fined. But yeah, like a lot of people after, and I was looking at social media, a lot of people were like, oh, well, I guess, quote-unquote, Tampa Bay is finally going up against a real team and a real quarterback, and then they turned it around and just kind of punched Aaron Rodgers in the face and made Aaron Rodgers have probably one of his worst performances that we've seen in a long while. So this Tampa Bay team has all the pieces that they need, and that was excluding the fact that Leonard Fournette has been battling injuries, and so he should be healthy, ready to go. They just added Antonio Brown. If you can get Godwin and Evans healthy, and, I mean, you see the resurgence, like the revival of Bronx, so now he's, he's like he's back into the flow. Like they have the offensive firepower to last, kind of to make a deep run. Do I think they'll take to the Super Bowl now? But I think that they're going to be what everyone imagined and envisioned this Tampa Bay team to be, kind of at the start of the season. Okay, keep going. And the last winner for me, the Denver Broncos. I was forced to watch that game because of kind of where I'm at market-wise, and they wanted to show <laughs> the Patriots. You did complain about it on uh, on Facebook. Yeah, so so I I watched this game, and when that Broncos defense is on, kind of it harkens back to when they went to the Super Bowl. Where was the defense that carried them? Like this defense right now, even without some of their star players kind of being at 100. percent Denver still has the ability to be a top 10, top 5 defense, depending on some, kind of on any given week. 
Now, all the problems are obviously on the offensive side of the ball. We saw that with the fact that they could barely move the ball up and down the field. And so Brandon McManus is having to kick you know, 40 and 50-yard field goals to get points on the board. But if this defense can kind of remain how – or if they can repeat or mimic that performance that they had against New England, I think they could be kind of a viable kind of dark horse Ruin, like ruin some teams' chances, particularly in that AFC West, where if you think Kansas City has shown that they can be slowed down, if for even like a half, as we saw with New England, we know that the Las Vegas Raiders, like, do we still trust Derek Carr? Not exactly. Like, so they have the ability to shake some things up, particularly in that AFC West, as we head towards the midpoint of the season. Uh, and now to the losers, I'm just going to get out the way. If you have, if Baker Mayfield has to throw the ball to beat you, he's not going to beat you. Like let's let's mm-hmm. just keep it one hundred. Mm-hmm. Like him, like we talked about it last week. Cleveland's bread and butter is the running game. Well, Chubb is you, out, You're right? Yeah, but even kind of with Kareem Hunt, kind of sticking up his knees. Like even before the and he was there in the picture game, he shows since. A glimpses of being able to run the ball, being physical, and then catching the ball in the backfield. But, I mean, if you're in situations, and granted, this is also you're going up against the Steelers who have a stout run defense. So that's part of it. But second and eight, third and seven, like if, if Baker Mayfield has to throw the ball, like more often than not, and we saw it. Like for those of you that watched the game, you saw it. Like, Incomplete passes, hesitant, kind of nervous, trying to do more than what calls for. And so it's right. Like, the criticism all week has been right. Like, Baker Mayfield, like, this was your time to know that, hey, these Sixers front seven is tough. You're going to be in positions where you're going to have to throw the ball to your wide receivers, to your tight end, to your running backs. Can you do that? So... We'll see how he plays against Cincinnati, but they yeah, was just a rough day at the office for one Baker Mayfield. Um, another rough day at the office for the Dallas Cowboys. We're not going to regurgitate because everyone got help us watch that laugh track. Before you go to the Cowboys real quick, though, what do you think about what Hugh Jackson said about Baker Mayfield not being used correctly? Uh, so I saw that quote. And I was thinking, kind of, knowing that Hugh Jackson, I don't want to say, I don't even know if he has, like, a grievance or, like, gripe with the organization. I just think he's kind of being honest. I think kind of knowing that um, when Hugh Jackson had Baker Mayfield, there was some strength. Like, we saw a lot more kind of, Shotgun. We saw Baker Mayfield not being under center to be able to do a little bit more improvise where he was able to similar when he was in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't see him under center a lot. We didn't see the Cleveland Browns running a lot of eye formation. Like, that, that doesn't, like you just said, like that doesn't play to his strength. Baker Mayfield's strength has always been his ability to kind of elongate the play, his scrambling ability. If you're having to do a play action from where you're under center to a 
roll out to your right or left. That gives time for the front seven to be in your face. If you're in the shotgun, you can just do kind of a play action read and you just have running a running back kind of run in front of you. If you already have the ball, that gives you that one or two seconds that you need to be able to make that split decision. Mm-hmm. So do I think that um, he needs to get out from under center? Absolutely. But I think it also goes to um, this organization, in particular Kevin Stefanski. I think he's trying so much to force his office because he's a first-year head coach. All of this expectation on him kind of to kind of be a coach in Cleveland that last. But I think I, I, I would agree with Hugh Jackson. And, and I think that he has, but like he has Baker's best interest at heart. I, I, I honestly think that because he's coming at it for being transparent. Okay, keep going. I mean, like I said, I, it does make sense, but at the end of the day, though, it's nothing. I think it's nothing wrong with being a game managing quarterback, and all the greats have been game managing quarterbacks in their first few years. Big Ben, Tom Brady, all of them had great running games and relied on their defenses until they matured to know the NFL game. And let's just face it, Pittsburgh was the more superior team on Sunday. I mean, we we all mentioned it on this show that this was the game that the Browns had to win if they were going to be legit contenders. Now, I think they could beat the Bengals and still get five wins, but it, it pretty much kind of sucks that you got two great teams in Baltimore and Pittsburgh in the division, and then you. Um, they do play in one of the toughest divisions, but I just think that Baker Mayfield played against a, a heck of a, a front line and defensive and back line of, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, they're not going to face too many teams like that besides them and maybe Baltimore. So you can still... If maybe even if you just look at their schedule, they still have an opportunity to still do well. I think they can win with Baker. I think the question is going to be, though, can they win the bigger games? Like, think about it. They got the Bengals, the 25th, the Raiders, the first, a bye. Then they have the Texans, the Eagles, and then the Jags on the 29th. And then December is when they go back and play some really tough games with the Jags. But if you really think about it, they got one, two, three, four, five, five winnable games. Three out of the five are actually against dumpster fires. And they've already got four wins. That could be seven wins if they if if, if they go three and two. I yeah, and I think kind of this next stretch, particularly knowing, I would say kind of in that game, for me, the key game outside of this kind of in-state rivalry for Cleveland it's going to be how they look at home against the Raiders next week. Because I think that's going to shed a lot. Kind of heading into that bye week, are you going to have the momentum? Are you going to be deflated knowing that the Vegas Raiders are another team that can get pressure? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't like they can get pressure. They can get front seven. They're playing good at the secondary. That's going to be another test for Baker Mayfield. And as we know, you know, um, uh, John Gruden loves to play. John Gruden loves to figure out these packages just out of nowhere, particularly because he's seen, kind of from his time in the booth, he's seen Baker Mayfield. He's broken it down. So he has a little bit of 
of an, I don't want to say an edge, but he can, he can do something. Yeah, it, it, I'm looking at this schedule. If they they could easily go five and zero before the Titans, which right there they got four wins, nine wins. Then they can lose against the Titans and the Ravens, and then they got the Giants. Then that's ten wins. The Jets is eleven. They can actually go eleven and five. That's crazy. What the, what the schedule we're looking at right now? That that's just something to put out there. Eleven and five, and now with the extra playoff spot, they'll probably get the extra wild card. 11-5 and five in a really tough division if they can pull it off, barring injuries. All right, continue, David. So, yeah, no, no team. Um, kind of, We're just going to lump the entire NFC. So I was going to blast the Cowboys for that game against Arizona where, mm-hmm. I mean, good God, it was just bad. It was laughable. But the entire NFC is just god-awful. I mean... We can start with the Cowboys, literally the laughing stock of the NFL. Everyone just loves to heap on them. You got wide receivers catching open touchdown passes. You got Ezekiel Elliott fumbling the ball, even though he said that, oh, I'm never going to fumble again. But no. And this team, we talked about in the offseason, like, if that, you know, is this going to be Dak's team or Zeke's team? Apparently, Zeke doesn't want this to be his team because he's not really playing like he wants to be the feature guy. He's struggling a little bit. There's a game between the Washington and the Giants. I will lose to this. Kind of been my last uh, loser. Like, what? Neither team wanted to win, and then at the end of the game, as we saw across the league, like, just... Like, try, stop trying to outsmart the room and stop shooting yourselves in the foot in the first three quarters so then you're trying to play for the win. I mean, if I'm Ron Rivera, it is, you know, an p- opportunity to go into overtime or win the game right here. You are afraid to go into overtime against Daniel Jones and that Giants offense? Like, yes, your offense is trash, too, but it's Daniel Jones, man. Like, if it was Eli Manning, okay, I can understand going for the win. Like, if it was Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, where you know that it's this close and you may not get this close again, sure, go for the win, be risky. But you're playing the Giants, man. And the Giants looked horrible. They couldn't get the ball up and down the field to save the line either. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the snafu and kind of the epitome of the New York Giants football season next week, but when Daniel Jones is like a, a rushing threat, it's crazy. And then the Eagles, I mean, there, there was a reason that they were down so much to Baltimore, commend them for being, you know, kind of resilient in the fourth quarter. But at the same time, why are you going for two, a two-point conversion in the third quarter? Like, who does that? Like, Doug Peterson, stop trying to outsmart the room. Just kick the field goal, go up seventeen, or be down seventeen to seven in the third quarter, so that when it comes down to the late-game situation, you can just kick the extra point, have the momentum of a tie game, thirty to thirty, and then go into overtime. But no, you want to give the ball. A Carson Wentz, who again I will say is trash. You are a Big Ben type, and everyone wants to compare you to Big Ben. 
Big Ben can get a yard if you need it and a two-point conversion. Carson Wentz is supposed to be the big, physical, bruising running back. Can't get you a yard to save your life. Did it last week. Couldn't do it again for the Thursday night game. Like, how are you big and bulky? You want to, he, he prides himself on being a physical quarterback, a running quarterback. That's how he got the entry to begin with during that Super Bowl run season. Like, just find a way to get into the end zone if you're right there. Which, again, and which transitions to my last point, a lot of teams were just trying to outsmart the room and outthink things by going for all these two-point conversions. Again, you look at Washington, you look at what's happened in Philadelphia, those situations where they shot themselves in the foot. But then, and we mentioned, alluded to a little bit earlier, between Houston and Tennessee, throw near Cornell, just kick the field goal. Like, just kick the field goal. Make them have to go for two-point conversions. Like, make them have to do the work. Instead, you're helping them by allowing them to kind of be able to not play with more urgency, knowing that they're going to have to get the touchdown and the two-point conversion. So, yeah, there was just a lot of teams that were trying to outsmart and outthink, trying to, oh, we're going to go for two-point conversion. We're going to be risky. We're going to be innovative. Like, don't use, don't try to be smarter than who you are. Like, I know we're in the age of analytics and everyone wants to try to outsmart and outthink the other sidelines. But at some point, you got to know your personality. You got to know the game flow. You have to expect kind of what might happen. And if your team is in a position where you're better equipped to win, if you can just take the one and then hold a defense to a stop, then do it. You don't have to be great. You don't have to kind of just go for two-point conversions all like every after every conversion. Unless you're down and you actually need them. If not, then don't. Yeah, that's totally right. Well, David, man, once again, thanks for your winners and losers. Always dropping the knowledge. Yeah, good stuff. Then, yeah, I can't wait for next week. Again, I usually wait for week seven. But, yeah, that's mean. Mm, That that is mean. And I'll make sure you always check out our – podcast on AFR with SoundCloud and on iTunes Uh, but thanks David again for the uh, winners and losers of college and pro football